0: Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show and today's episode is one you are not going to want to miss if you are ready to think outside the box as an entrepreneur. So the guest today is Adrienne Johnson. She is a presentation designer who specializes in helping clients visualize their content in PowerPoint for the purpose of landing new clients, educating existing internal or internal clients, or securing investment capital. Her clients include Meta, Microsoft, Samsung, Marriott, among others. Additionally, she coaches other presentation designers on building their successful presentation design businesses, and this episode seriously wowed me. I had never heard of this as not only a career venture, but as an entrepreneurial venture to start for yourself, but Adrienne dives into the details. And what it looks like to really go all in on a business presentation designing. And she is doing very well for herself. Let's dive right into the episode because this is one that your entrepreneurial brain is not going to want to miss. Adrian, welcome to the Work Wealth and Travel podcast. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about yourself, where you started, what that looks like, and
1: how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. It's so exciting to be here, Nicole. I um, started out as uh, in marketing and operations for small companies in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And, you know, over time, I found myself, I I had a daughter, I was working really long hours, and I just found over time as an introvert, all of that was kind of catching up with me. And I was exhausted at the end of the day on the weekends, I just could not possibly recharge enough. And I kind of woke up one day. I, of course, it wasn't one day, right? It was over a series of time, but the the breaking point kind of happened and I realized I wasn't in the right place. And I went to my boss and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just know I'm in the wrong place and it's so evident to me now and it's so painful and we got to figure something out. And so we decided on a four-month transition plan where I repla- I trained my replacements. It took two people to replace me. I always laugh. And in that time period, I started looking for other jobs. And and in all of that, I really realized I didn't want another job. And I got on to Upwork and started just doing freelance design work. I had, as a function of being in all these small startups, you wear a lot of hats. And I started to have to, you know, fill those gaps. I was doing videos and photography, all these kind of things. Right. And so I said, let's take these skills and see if they're transferable. And they were. The challenge I found on Upwork was that I was doing so many different things, and I wasn't really an expert at anything, but I wasn't making good money. Flash forward to today, <laughs> I make you over $200,000 a year. It's five years later. I'm an expert in presentation design. I command a niche. People go, they search on Google, and my page is what comes up. And so I was really able to build that over the course of, it sounds like five years, but I really did that in about six months and have just been kind of riding that wave ever since, which has been really amazing.
0: I would love to dive into what the actual transition looks like from when you started on Upwork to five years later, you've now built this amazing business. And then you mentioned in there, it really kind of took, maybe there was like a six month period where it was the main work to transition to where you are now took place. So I would love to hear more about what that journey and that transition looked like for you, especially coming from corporate and never having been in an entrepreneurial setting, you're probably like, oh my gosh, like what are the next steps? What did that look like for you? And how did you figure out what next steps to take to get you to where you wanted to go?
1: It's so funny, yeah, because, you know, starting out and having been in that corporate environment, I was in marketing and operations. I never considered myself the entrepreneur, but I was in startups. And so it was an entrepreneurial space. And as the person running the business, I knew what it took to get it done. I just never considered myself the salesperson, right? And and as an introvert, I really have a very difficult time, you know, going out and um, chatter. So people really struggle to, to really internalize this about me, but it's true. I talk a lot, but I don't need to go out and talk to other people, if that makes sense. And so when it comes to sales and kind of getting out there and referrals and word of mouth, that's not a mechanism that I was interested in using to grow my business, right? Like I didn't go to LinkedIn and say, hey. I started this thing. I had no interest in doing that. So that's really why I got on Upwork, if we're being honest. It was a, hey, there's a place where people are who need help, and I can go help them. And that was really tapping into something that was very comfortable for me. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to do all these things. And I was doing them, and I was working crazy hours. And But the operational part of my brain said, this is broken, Adrian. Like You know that this doesn't work, and this doesn't scale, and it doesn't scale because... You are doing so many different things. I was like doing Shopify sites. I was building Divi websites, Elementor websites, every kind of website you can imagine. I was editing like photo mockups. It was crazy. It was never going to scale because every single time I was doing one of those tasks, I was having to go learn how to do it. And so I was about four months in and I was like, I have all this work and I have happy clients, but there's a fundamental operational issue, which is I can't scale this. And then I have a fundamental marketing issue, which is I'm not an expert at anything and I can't charge a premium for this. So I'm never going to reach my goals. And so I said, okay, like, let's strip everything down to its core. Let's look at what's working really well. And when I did that, what I saw was that the thing that I was doing, the projects that I was like kind of gravitating towards that were making me the most money, that were the least competitive, was presentation design. And when I really kind of started to peel back the, the layers of that onion, what I realized is I had been in corporate for such a long time. And PowerPoint is just the center of our world, right? We're using it for everything. We were running it on kiosks, at conferences, self We had had to figure out how to use it. And so many other designers are using, you know, the Adobe suite and everything else that they, it, which by the way, is a far more robust tool. I mean, it can't compare to PowerPoint, right? PowerPoint, you can't compare it to it. And so there's this real hesitation around using PowerPoint for designers, right? Like, it's not a real design tool. It's clunky. It's uh, And it's, for me, I didn't have that hesitation. So for me, when somebody said they wanted help with PowerPoint, I was just like, I can solve that problem. And there were so few people who were coming in that I was winning those bids, and then people were happy. But the other really interesting thing about it was those PowerPoint presentations are tied to things like pitch decks where people, before people go get a website or branding packages, they go raise money for their startups and they do that with a deck. (laughs) And so that's the first place they spend money and they're willing to spend money to do it. And so they'll spend several thousand dollars. They spend money on sales decks, on training decks. And so all these things are tied to revenue and they have a budget for that. And so they, it's so different than, arguing about or arguing, negotiating prices for websites, for instance, right? They're It's a really tangible asset to them. And so they carve out parts of their budget for it. And then you tie that revenue allocation piece with, we can't find anybody who wants to do this work for us. And suddenly you have this like really amazing market. And then I was somebody who could fill that gap. And so I did. And I went through and I optimized my website for, I SEO optim- optimized it for the term freelance presentation designer. And within three months, I started getting leads. And within six months, I'd gone from working like crazy, like 80 hour weeks for $5,000 a month to working like a normal 40, 50 hour week for over $10,000 a month. And within a year was making over $15,000 a month just doing presentation design. It was insanity.
0: Well, what an interesting story. And I appreciate you sharing all of that because it really goes to show that Something that you don't really even think of, you know something like a PowerPoint presentation, you can really build such an empire out of that, and it doesn't need to be this crazy, complex, complicated thing. like yes, anyone can kind of open PowerPoint and do a few things, but once you become an expert in that one software, that one tool, you can really hone in on that. So do you have a specific now have you only niche in on like the tool and the presentation specifically, or do you help a specific demographic of? client per se, or just kind of anybody who needs anything within the
1: PowerPoint realm? I would say I'm a little bit broader. I mean, but generally, there's so many different ways you could go, right? Like, there's online course creators and businesses, a lot of them are kind of DIYers. So I tend to kind of exclude them in general. I don't do a lot of pitch deck work, even though it's a great field. A lot of them also need help with content creation, research and writing. And I'm just don't I'm not really drawn to that aspect of it. And so I've historically not really spent a lot of time in that area unless someone was already really good at that piece themselves and exclusively wanted help on the design side. Um, But so generally, I'm just working with people generally in corporate. They have really nice budgets. You know, they already have branding set up, so they don't need me to be doing branding or anything else. They're working in PowerPoint because that's what they've got on their computers already. Sometimes Google Slides. Yeah. And it's usually sales and marketing decks, right? Like we're going out and we're pitching a product. Here's an example. We think of Samsung as a consumer facing product, right? They've got their phones and their devices, but they've got whole like software hardware that is targeted towards corporations that they go in and they have teams that sell their hardware to UPS for their delivery drivers and their software. And so they need decks to go and pitch all of that. And so that's like a classic example of it's high ticket sales that need to be supported by the types of decks that they're going and talking to these executives that are spending that kind of money.
0: Now, I'm curious what you have built out to attract those clients. Is it mostly your website from SEO? Is it maybe it sounds like it might not be going to them and pitching them directly, or maybe you've built that as a part of your team kind of does that for you. What does that look like now to acquire new clients?
1: Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, I knew I needed to be in a position where people were coming to me because of my introverted tendencies and because I wanted it to, to have that authoritative feel. And when I went and was searching for who were the best presentation designers and I saw those top results, I was like, these people must be the best of the best of the industry. And that was where I kind of got the idea of if I could optimize my website and be in those search results, that that would position me as an authority. And so I went through and I optimized my website for that term. And so I ring for that and now a series of other things. But I look, when I talk about like SEO, I mean, I think, you know, really search engine optimization is is not just Google. It's your LinkedIn profile, it's your social media profiles. It's anywhere somebody could search for you. Um, And so I've optimized all of those for the same keyword, freelance presentation designer. Certainly there are any other number of terms that people could search for. Freelance PowerPoint designer, freelance PowerPoint presentation designer, you know, keynote designer, Google Slides designer we could go on and on. But it's optimizing for all of those things. Obviously, as you continue to grow, you get referrals by word of mouth. Presentation design is an interesting niche in that when someone has good slides, you're going to a keynote or a conference or even like within the pitch deck world itself. You go in and you're sharing these at a competition or something and somebody says, hey, your slides look great. Who did those? You know, you can get a lot of referrals that way. A lot of the executives that I work with, it's they have in-house teams that can do their design work but they're fighting for those resources internally so they take their corporate card cards and they go find themselves someone who can solve their problems quickly without the internal constraints and so it's always a whole hey i'm only going to you know make this referral to these one or two people that i know internally because i don't want your schedule to get filled up cuz if not you effectively become like somebody in house who either <laughs> competing for the resources too so yeah, so it can be some referrals and and other things of that nature, but I mean frankly I think my my best clients are not actually referrals. They're largely people who come through my website. They're I always laugh. They're people who are like me. You know, I'm attracting people who are like me who are like I didn't want to go ask somebody else for a referral. I wanted to go solve my own problem. And so I I went and I did a search and I I solved it. <laughs> and I think that's one really interesting thing about, you know, kind of client attraction strategies and how do you How do you really stop and think about, am I attracting the right person? And if I was to go out and I was to be, you know, DMing people on social media, the people who are going to be saying, oh, yeah, that's great. They're probably salespeople. They're people who are on social media a lot. They're probably not my people because they're going to want to pick up the phone and talk or get on Zoom calls all the time. Like They're the opposite kind of people to me. So it's a really interesting thing to be strategic about the way that you approach that.
0: I think that's a very interesting bound tactic is to think about how you would want to be approached and then attract those people towards you. And I, I love that because you're being so aligned and insightful within your business of who you want to work with. And then kind of, and I'm sure that it falls through the cracks sometimes, but attracting those heck yes, these are my ideal clients and not having so many of those people who are like, oh my gosh, this person is going to be a nightmare to work with.
1: Right. I mean, so much of it, especially when you're building your own business, is you have to be intentional. If not, you can end up building the exact kind of business that you didn't want to be in in the first place, right? Because you didn't have control over it then, right? Somebody else was building that business that was either ideal for them or just about you know reaching revenue targets or whatever. And now you have the opportunity to say, what do I really want to be in day to day? And if you're not super duper intentional about that, you can be attracting the wrong clients and you can end up setting yourself up and I was in this position about, I would say I was about nine months in, right? As I was, you know, I was getting all those leads and I looked around, it was a Friday night, it was like 6pm and I was, I had a whole other project I needed to start working on for somebody, you know, those clients um, where it's like 28 revisions and it's like a fixed price. It was like $200 and it was like, he was a terrible copy editor and I'm not a copy editor. And so it was like, I was constantly having to redesign this thing because he was always editing it. I had, it was like on another round of this revision for this thing for $200. And I was like, Adrian, this is not any different than the place you were. You're a guy where it's Friday night. It's six o'clock. You're still working and stressed out. But the only person that you have to look at right now is you. You're the lowest common denominator here, friend. So like, what are we going to do to fix it? And I will tell you, like, I have some boundary issues and i like, I'm a people pleaser. And like, I know that about myself and I will slip it. It's a I don't know that I can I'll ever fix it, but I recognize it faster now and I like pull it back faster And so I think that's really the best I can do, or certainly I continue to try and get better and better at it. But yeah, I think it's so hugely important. And so many people, I think, end up inadvertently building a business they don't love. And ultimately, like you have to be the one controlling it because no one else is going to now. Yeah,
0: I totally, completely agree. I found myself in that place as well, as I think many of us when we're starting something in the online space, it's so easy to get sucked into that and to you know, be the people pleaser and the client pleaser and you want them to always be happy. And it, it can be really difficult to set those boundaries. So I think that that is something that anybody going into a freelance business, whatever that may look like in the online space really needs to be aware of. And I think a lot of the time we unfortunately are not aware of that until it happens. It's hard to kind of be forward thinking about that.
1: Yeah, it's so tough, right? Because in the early stages, you're just like, I got to make money, right? Like, I made this commitment. And so you are making some concessions early on, but you have to also be mindful about, like, when is the time where I've kind of arrived and I can start making that switch back to, like, what are my priorities and how am I making these trade offs? Because it's not black and white. Unfortunately, it's just not.
0: So you mentioned in what you had previously spoken about the word uncomfortable. So I'm curious, what would some of the growth or just some things that happened within your business as you were growing and scaling that felt really uncomfortable for you and you were like, oh, like, I don't know if this is right. I know you've already kind of talked about getting clients, but what are some other things within your business entrepreneurial journey that felt super uncomfortable to you? But now looking back, you're like, no, I needed that. I grew. That helped me get to where I am.
1: Today. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there are a million little things, right? I mean, I would say, you know, a big one is, is firing clients. That's a hard thing, right? You know, we talk about attracting your ideal clients and I would say the clients that I have fired have largely come from referrals where it wasn't somebody who kind of came to me the way that I, I have said is really the best way. And because of that, I have sometimes said, well, I am doing this as a favor, right? As a boundary issue. I'm doing this as a favor to this person who referred them to me. And so I've allowed some of those things that would normally be red flags in other situations. I've ignored them. And that has been a disservice, not just to me, but to the client too. Because I should have stopped it then and said, this isn't the right fit. Let me refer you to somebody else who I think might be a better fit. And instead, in thinking I was being helpful to someone else or even just lying to myself, I put both of us in a situation that was not tenable. And then we get into it. And then so here's the situation I had happen. Someone referred a client to me. He says, you know, we had a couple of iterations. He was super needy, loved to talk on the phone, one of those people, which is fine. It's not my ideal, but like I can also live with it. But then he just he was rude. I mean, frankly, he had sent me some like really vague. It was a copy guy. He was a startup guy. You know, it was like a hey, we kind of have this pitch in two days to, I don't know, who was it? I don't know, some big gym. And I need you to, you know, put this together. And so he sent me some, you know, vague, high-level CEO, like I'm the big strategist guy, I don't know. And when he sent it to me, I was like, well, this is kind of vague. So I, like, worked on what I could, and then I sent it back to him. And with it, I sent copy that said, like, in the email cover, it said, hey, this was kind of vague, so, like, I did what I could, but I need to talk to you about it and he responded back to me over email and said i can't spoon feed you and i was like wow like i'm a lot of things but somebody that needs to be spoon fed is definitely not one of them and in that moment i was just like i'm not going to be talked to like i'm a child you know like i'm a lot of things and i'm trying to help you but i i knew he wasn't the right fit right right from the get go and i should have just owned that early on but now what i had done is i'd gotten us to the you know 11th hour he needs this deck I'm pissed. He's pissed. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm out. And I didn't I never charged him for the work. I gave him all of his files, everything I'd worked on effectively for free. But it didn't help him. Right. Like he still doesn't have a final deliverable. He has no one else to go to. I don't know that he was going to be in a fundamentally better position, you know, with two extra days on his short timeline. But at the end of the day, yeah, I guess long winded way of saying from a, you know, an uncomfortable position, like sometimes living through those like bad decisions kind of forces you to recognize them and then say going forward, I have to be more honest and I have to recognize those things faster because it wasn't, you know, at the time, I don't even know that I, I appreciated how bad of a situation it was for him and the way that I do today, you know, and now I worry about am I doing the right thing by this client and by reframing. That really also enables me to look at it as a strength of mine. Cause I worry so much about other people. And that was the decision on which I was making a bad decision to be, <laughs> be in the first place. But now I can put it in the right context and then really truly make the right decision for that client.
0: It's so interesting because I think that not being aligned with clients, having to get rid of clients, like that's something when you start out, you're you're not thinking of. You know, you're just thinking of like, oh, the work I'm gonna do is great and I'm gonna love it and they're gonna love it and it's gonna be happy and great. But there's so many things that are uncomfortable. And that's a really great example of one and clearly one that stands out in your mind. That was a little bit of an awkward situation. Um. So yeah, I, I think that that's really important to keep in mind when growing, scaling, starting, whatever it may be within a business. So I'm also curious kind of on the topic of growing your business and some things that have gone on. What are some of the best or most worthwhile investments you have made within your business?
1: I mean, hands down, SEO, right? Like I, you talk about the investment. I spent five hundred dollars on a course to learn the SEO, right? And that was a course that ended up being way more than I needed. It was like for bloggers who are trying to generate ad revenue, traffic, and they need millions of views a month. And then the time, you know, I let's assume it took me a hundred hours to kind of—that's probably even high, I would say—to to get everything I needed. I mean, but now I, even now. 5 years later with very minimal effort continue to get backlinks just because I rank for things for search terms and all of that um, so my profile continues to like be stable even as other people are you know trying to rank and overtake that position i still get 3 to 5 leads a week just from my website that doesn't include linkedin referrals social media or anything else just exclusively from my website. So, I mean, I think that was a huge investment and one that I highly recommend to everyone. You don't, especially when you're a solopreneur or small business, we hear SEO and we go and look into it. Like the course I took, like it feels so overwhelming, but the reality is, is when you're trying to compete for a keyword with, you know, a traffic volume of a hundred, you're not, you don't need tons of backlinks. You, you can, it only takes you a few months to rank. The competition is completely different than all the things that you see when you're trying to like get ad revenue and get millions of page views a month. It takes years, and so that smaller volume is is completely different. and And so it it's hugely, in my mind, was hugely instrumental in building my business and in the way that I wanted to.
0: It is such, such a different scope to exactly what you said of wanting you know the ad revenue and to make thousands a month off your website. And I guess if you do the research, you know what you're wanting to rank for. And maybe it's something that is a little bit more niche, like what you offer. There may not be a whole lot of competition or competition is just not quality. Yet. Yeah, be the case. So I would love to hear what your, now, do you have a team that supports you? What does it look like in terms of the back end of your business? And are you still in the day-to-day operations? What does that look like from scaling to, yeah, like, freelancing on upwork to now having this full business, what has that looked like in the back end?
1: Yeah. I was just listening to your your episode with Danielle at Digital Assist. And it was so amazing hearing her story and how she just went straight into like the agency model and hiring people. And I was like, I have so many emotional scars from corporate and just it's people are hard, you know? And the bigger a company gets the more drama there inherently is in people's personalities. And even when you're trying, even when you're doing your best, I had a boss who used to say, no good D goes unpunished. You know, there's like, there's just challenges. And so it took me a really long time to make my first hire. Um, it was just last year. So I was four years in. I have an operations manager and she also does presentation design. Um, she helps run the course side of my business. And so she does email, social media, kind of all of that like administrative piece. Um, and then she also does some design work. So that gives us some leverage and some scale. I don't know that we get much past two, three, five people. I don't aspire to that, you know, like a highly profitable, fun, incredible culture business is what I aspire to. Something that um, really, truly just has the right people and is always a fun place. And is always the kind of place that it, I know it's a very idealistic, right? I mean, things are tough. Times are tough. But even as we were going through the pandemic, I did not have anybody yet. And I remember thinking, I can't imagine being all the business owners who had teams and like the stress that must be there of like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? And what are we going to be able to do and not do? And are we going to have to let people go? And the consequences of all that and just the grief that one must have to deal with. So long story short. See, you would never know I'm an introvert from all this talking. I think that for now, this is where we're at. But yeah, just one person for now. When
0: you think of a, a business that's making the type of revenue that you are, you think, oh my gosh, a huge operation. And T with what I love, hearing how grounded you want to keep it. You know, you don't want to make it sound like big conglomerate. It's it's really you. You started it. You want to continue to be the face of it and to, it sounds like continue to be working with the clients and not build it to be something like huge and corporate to keep it very home. Grown, but also making amazing revenue, so I'd love to hear that. Um, so is there anything that you feel we haven't touched on that would be important to include in this conversation, whether it is building your business, entrepreneurship, anything that is important that you would like to include?
1: um, if there was one last piece of advice I would give, it's you know, if you're sitting there on the fence and I was for a really long time, right? Like it felt like it was suddenly like a light bulb moment when I realized I had to quit my job and but it had been years of kind of knowing, I would probably say five years probably of knowing I, I I had this entrepreneurial bug. I wanted to have my own business. I just didn't know how. And if you have that like inclination, get on Upwork, get on, are these freelance platforms maybe the way that you're going to build a full business? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there are people, Courtney Allen is a presentation designer. If anybody's interested in like presentation design as a niche, like you can go look her up she's making over a million dollars a year as an agency on Upwork alone. Um, Like there are some really cool people out there doing some amazing things on Upwork alone. But I think it's a really like low barrier way to kind of just go feel out what are the skills that I have that are highly transferable and in demand and see what's out there while you're still like full time. Because like I quit my job and in hindsight, I don't know that that was the best plan. I just I was in such pain, right? Like, I had to do something and I could not figure it out with the constraints of the full-time job that was just sucking up so much time and energy. So I would say, you know, if you feel that pull, if there's something there, go start trying to figure out what it is and don't be afraid of, of anything, you know, just start trying and you'll fail along the way. There are going to be things where you're going to say, oh, that doesn't work or this works or I like this or I don't. But I would have never without trying would have never gotten to presentation design. I mean, it just would have never occurred to me that that could have been a whole thing all in and of itself. And then I had the skills to do it and that the market was going to support it.
0: (laughs) And no idea. But it's funny because even for myself, I have seen a lot of different industries and niches, but I've never thought of presentation design. And if you hadn't have been on Upwork, been on the freelancing websites, you may not have ever either, either with the, even though that was in your skill set and you knew how to do that and do it well. So, where can people find you and your presentation work online?
1: Uh, you can find me at designingandthriving.com. Um, and that's got links to all of my social media and um, all of my free resources. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything
0: from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.